culture, society. On every street and around every bend lies a world positively overflowing with both. But sometimes we can all use a night in, removed from the endless spiral of chaos and absolute nonsense that waits outside our doors. And for those nights, there's Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop local stores and compare prices on the biggest selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get your favorite drinks delivered to your door in under 60 minutes. All from the comfort of your couch. Because society is great, but it doesn't have your couch. And it's windy out. And you forgot your jacket. And oh my God, would you look at the line at that place? Are you serious? I... (sighs) So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. You're listening to Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. That's me, your naturally platinum blonde pop culture connoisseur. I'm the reality TV junkie, self-improvement addict, and host with only the hottest tea spilled fresh weekly. For more hot takes, go and give me a follow at Just Plain Zach, because I always keep it funny and I always keep it cute. And if you're like me and you want to stay up to date with the latest reality tea, go and give us a follow at No Filter with Zach on the Instagram, or you can always join our private Facebook group. The link is in the description below. Oh, what a week. It's Valentine's Day this week, everybody. Are you ready for love? Today, we're doing a deep dive, and it's into, like, the the the, the not-so-great side of love. The side of love, like, you don't really want to dive into. But today, we're diving deep into the Marilyn Manson scandal with Evan Rachel Wood. There are so many pieces to this, like... I mean, yes, it's a scandal, but I feel like it's so much more than just a scandal because, like, Erica Jane, that's a scandal. Um, You know, Housewives, when they say, like, Brandy Glanville's always tweeting something controversial, that's a bit of a scandal. This is just, it feels so much more than that, and it's dark, and it's deep, and we're going to dive into it um, because I dived into it so you don't have to, so you don't have to read some of these um, allegations because they are just so insidious in a way that I just was not expecting. And now I'm like, I don't even know if I want to date for Valentine's Day. I actually think I enjoy being single. Shouldn't we all? You should be our own Valentine and do some like self-love, self-care, get it like a, a bath bomb and like a good, you know, a good night to yourself. Nobody needs to be dating any Marilyn Mansons because that stuff is crazy. Z. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can listen to full audio episodes on iTunes and Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are available. If you're listening to the audio on iTunes or Spotify, you can watch clips of this show. And sometimes like this episode, I'll release the full episode with the intro and everything on the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Zach. Just letting you know, you have two options if you want to explore either option. All right, shall we dive into this? And also somebody made a comment on YouTube saying that they really liked the shirt that I wore 
the other day called uh which said save water drink vodka that's by balls vodka which i'm currently like obsessed with and i'm even wearing a balls vodka sweater right now this isn't supposed to be like a promotion it also says save water drink vodka i'm just saying if you like my clothes i'm i'm willing willing to give you a shout out and let you know also on instagram i announced that we broke a million downloads which we actually hit a few weeks ago so we're like well over a million downloads at this point but i just wanted to say that that was a huge milestone that again i want to say thank you thank you thank you for Love you, love you, mean it. Please continue to rate and review the show. I'll give you shout outs in the future. Love you guys. Now let's dive deep. Okay, Marilyn Manson, a.k.a. Brian Warner. And can we just talk about the fact that like Brian Warner is just like such a basic bitch name? It's like such a name that you would be like, really, that's Marilyn Manson. Your name is really Brian Warner. Like how it doesn't even sound like even remotely interesting. But his story is oh so interesting. And if you actually read his very gross and disgusting book, The Long Road Out of Hell, so dark. And the stories he tells in that, like, I was going through everything and realizing, like, what a history he has. And his history is awful, you guys. So uh, Marilyn Manson, for anybody that's not familiar with him, he's a rock star. Um, has had a very long, decades-long career in rock music. Lots of lawsuits, lots of controversy. Um, he has he wears like a lot of makeup that like makes him look a little scary and I guess demon-y, which is part of his persona. Is he has this like really dark, devilly, worshipy sort of um, persona that he projects on stage. There have been people that have come out in the past, and we'll dive into that, specifically Rose McGowan, who have said that his persona on stage are very different from the person they know him to be behind the scenes. So it is a little interesting. But once you get through the timeline of everything, that's when you start to realize "Mm, this guy, you know, there was maybe some sort of evolution here. But so Evan, actress Evan Rachel Wood has recently come out. She dated him. They had an off and on relationship from... 2006 to 2010 and she's recently come out a couple weeks ago and has now said that their relationship was very he was very mentally and emotionally abusive towards her I mean the and he started grooming her from a very early age they met when she was 18 and he was 36 which already is gross enough any man or any anyone that's dating somebody that's 18 19 20 years old if you're I mean I'm 27 currently I would never date or even have sex with somebody that's 18, 19, or 20 because I just feel like their emotional maturity is just not there. Like, they can go and have sex. They can go and screw somebody else that's 18, 19, 20 years old. Maybe 21. Like, you know, have sex with people your own age because you're at that same sort of level of maturity. I've always been a daddy chaser and I've never really been quiet about that. So I even like, you know, at a very early age like had encounters with men that were much older than me that I shouldn't have, that I had no business sleeping with. But even now, in retrospect, I remember having like so much guilt at the time for being like, <clears throat> sorry, so much guilt at the time for thinking that like, oh, well, you know, I'm old enough to like, you know, engage in this sexual relationship. And now I'm just like, um, I was a freaking child. I was not old enough to understand that. And I just think, you know, Evan Rachel Wood being an 18 year old young woman in Hollywood to find somebody like Marilyn Manson, like I get it. There may be something about him that's attractive. It feels taboo. You know, it's like the guy on the motorcycle that you want to like actually, you know, you want to feel like he's the bad boy and you want to be a bad girl. And you're just like, yeah, we're going to be bad together. Uh." Um, And you want to just like have that Shannon Doherty streak in you. I get that. 
You don't need to be sleeping with 36-year-old rockers. Take it from experience. You do not, anybody listening, don't sleep with anybody that's like nearly 20 years your senior. Like, please just don't do that. It's gross. I mean, not that anybody that does that does it willingly, but Evan Rachel Wood started seeing Brian Warner, a.k.a. Marilyn Manson, when she was 18 years old. They had an on-and-off-again relationship. They were engaged and had their relationship. Uh, they broke off their engagement in 2010. Now, she, it's so interesting when you actually, so since she's come out, so many other women have come out and there have been multiple different accusations that have been, um, that have been accounted for. Many women have come out on their Instagram accounts after Evan. And so they, Evan claims that she was brainwashed and manipulated into submission. I believe from reading her statements, she says that that the manipulation and the brainwashing were not related to their sexual relationship, that these were just other things that that he did beyond that. I mean, there have been accusations of him using the N-word casually, lots of racial slurs, um, l- many instances of him being anti-Semitic. He apparently didn't like Jews, but also kind of liked to date women that were Jewish, but had this like weird obsession with Nazis. And apparently at one point, he even tried to purchase the gun that Hitler killed killed himself with. So it's it's really dark. Um, and he had this weird fascination with Hitler and with Jewish women. And there was even one woman that came out with her story and she claimed that he would have her bring him back memorabilia from Thailand that was related to the Holocaust and Hitler. And it's just it's weird. And then there were claims. Um, Evan also claims that she was given copious amounts of drugs and alcohol. And there's a photo that was posted by this woman on Instagram, Leslie Lee. And it's a photo of her even dressed up. She had a Hitler mustache on and she um, her getup was also very Nazi inspired. And apparently that's just something that he has this deep fascination with that he and his friends are like they joke about or they laugh about. It's really weird because he even has this fascination with different like serial killers. I think there's a painting that he has in his home that was uh, done by a serial killer. So he has this weird obsession with like darkness and with, you know, death and murder. And he often jokes about it. I think there was an instance where he was even on stage where he was cutting himself. So he has this sick sort of twisted sense or obsession and so this woman Leslie Lane who posted the photo of her with the um the Hitler mustache she Evan Rachel Wood is claiming that this Leslie Lane person has been blackmailing her and apparently has also been conspiring with Marilyn Manson's current wife Lindsay who's a photographer they've been conspiring to take her down and to use these photos against her Evan Rachel Wood claims that she um, was underage at the time and so this is all slowly starting to unfold now that she's actually come out she filed a report months ago but now it's actually and she's talked about it but now that we actually know it was Marilyn Manson, things have really started to get a little dicey. And now all of these women have come forward with their stories. We have uh, Gabriella Ocarino, um, another woman, Ashley Lindsay Morgan. She's the one that I believe um, was asked to bring him Nazi memorabilia from Thailand. Uh, Sarah McNeely, Ashley Waters. And like the accounts, they have these, these like horrific accounts of abuse from being like locked in hotel rooms. Uh, one of them was even punished because she owed deed on drugs and then he was upset with her she claims he was upset with her 
um, that he wouldn't allow the paramedics to actually take her into the hospital, that they revived her. But he was mad that she couldn't keep up with the lifestyle. So then he locked her into a hotel room, which is apparently um, something that other women have faced as well, where they said that they would have to sit in there and listen to him entertain other women. She said that he she didn't have her passport or her ID or any of that stuff. So she wasn't able to leave, but he just left her in that room in her underwear with her phone on. Um Others claimed that they would get in trouble if they fell asleep too early and he would blast loud, loud music so that they wouldn't because they needed to keep up with his lifestyle, which was apparently really hard. Um, there were some really painful sexual encounters that they expressed. One of them um, said that she was raped. She was allegedly raped by him and she was tied up to a chair and he took photos of her. And apparently that was common where he would take photos of them and share them with his friends. And that was just a thing that he did. If you actually go back and look look into his book a lot of he he doesn't do many interviews but in some of the interviews that he had done in the past and even if you read excerpts from his book he kind of talks about a lot of this stuff where he even talked about smashing a perfume bottle into his mother's face and like cutting her up and she saying that she deserved it because she cheated on his father and he wanted to kill her and he says that he like um like tried to choke her one time and would spit on her. Like I'm telling you, these things are really dark. And these are things in his book. He openly admits to things or like threatening and harassing one woman and threatening to rape her. Like these things are just, they're, they're dark. Um, and so I'm, I'm warning you don't go down the rabbit hole. Know that these things exist. I wouldn't recommend reading his book. I wouldn't even recommend if you don't have the stomach for it or you're in a fragile place emotionally, I wouldn't even recommend reading the recollections of some of these women because they are so graphic and very detailed at the same time. Now, the interesting part is they are pretty different from what I noticed in reading all of their stories. I mean, the only things in common that I noticed is that there was abuse. There was, um, they all suffered PTSD afterwards, but it was very interesting how the, and he terrorized them in different ways according to the experiences that they've shared. But it's interesting how some of the accounts are sexual. Some of them aren't sexual. Some of them are just sort of like mental and emotional abuse um, and the way he would kind of haze them. The relationships, you know, Gabriella, the two Ashleys, Sarah, they were much shorter term relationships. Um, And even Evan Rachel Wood even their relationships, it looked like it only lasted about four years and they were engaged in 2010, but their engagement was called off at the same time. But he even did a an interview in 2010 after their relationship, or right before their relationship ended. Sorry, the interview was in 2009 with Spin Magazine. And that's where he even opened up. And I'm telling you, so he's very open about these things and has been in the past. Not about sexual assault necessarily. We'll get into another specific instance in a bit. But um, he opens up about some of like the bullying and terrorizing tactics that he would kind of inflict on these women that he, I think, is going to be in some really big trouble being that he's openly spoken about a lot of these things that he can't really deny them anymore which he has done he's denied them he says that they've they're mischaracterized or misrepresented um pieces of history that aren't as accurately as these women are portraying them to be 
However, he did give an interview specific to his relationship with Evan Rachel Wood with Spin Magazine in 2009, where he claims that because they had an off and on relationship, that when they would break up, he would call her. He said he called her, I believe it was like 148 times. Don't quote me on that exact number because I don't remember that off the top of my head. But it was over 100 times that he called this woman and he said that he would even he would be on the phone and he would tell her that he was like cutting his face and cutting himself because he wanted her to know how much pain he was in now that they weren't together and again whether or not that's actually true even some of the claims he made in the book seem so exaggerated and far-fetched that I don't know if I necessarily fully believe them I think he was very addicted to the controversy controversy and sensationalizing these things that I think he did it a lot for the attention um, but it seems to get darker the older he got and that's where you see a lot more of these instances with these other women coming out and claiming that it went from just like this manipulation and gaslighting to this full-on abuse and it just it gets darker the older he gets there was even um Another woman, Ellie uh, Rosal, who was a musician, uh, she, I believe, was with Wolf Alice. She accused him. And now this is a lesser accusation, but it's equally, you know, equally awful. She claims that he used a GoPro to film up, up, up her skirt. And so it looks like he... the older he got, the more famous he got, the more he was able to get away with a lot of these instances where he was able to kind of bully people or it seemed like he framed a lot of these things as jokes or, you know, a lot of his humor was very dark. Um, and I think that's where, you know, we kind of even have to kind of look at it and be like, well, why didn't we, when he was saying these things or when he was kind of making these claims, like why didn't we hold him a little more accountable? And I guess there were some groups when you look at the history that tried to, but there was some sort of like glamorizing him and his persona, which is how he was able to build this massive following, which they, which is still like loyally behind him. And I remember even at first, I was even a little skeptical because he came out and he said that, you know, the accusations were false. But once you do the deep dive, which I actually did and did the research, there are just too many instances beyond these women that have come out just recently that have claimed there was even another woman on Twitter who said that she went to his home one time, I believe it was after a concert, and there was something that he referred to as a rape room. So there are a lot of these like little instances where, okay, maybe some things seem to have been taken out of context or maybe he seemed to have had just a really dark sense of humor. But when you look at some of the things that he's openly talked about, openly admitted, and then you get into some of his public falling outs and we'll get into some of his more famous relationships as well because some of his exes have also come out. Um, uh, Jenna Jameson, who's a porn star, she claimed that they had a brief fling back in 97. And he she says that he bit her and says and apparently uh, fantasized about burning her. Um, and it was just it was a little too much for her. It was a little too um, intense for her, according to page six, an interview that she did with page six um, or an interview that she did that was reported by page six. So he's had a relationship with a lot of more famous and more notable people. Another person is Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails. And Manson claimed in his book, again, that he sexually assaulted a woman in the 1990s, which Trent has repeatedly denied and said that it was part of the reason he ended their friendship well over, I think at this point, 25, two decades, 25 years ago. Um, and 
you just see that he's had a lot of these falling outs. And then the other really interesting one, aside from Trent and Jenna, who have kind of shared their stories briefly, but they're more of just like, he was intense. He was a lot to deal with. So we just kind of distance ourselves from him. And it's interesting that Jenna claims that this happened to her in 97. And Trent claims that he ended their friendship 25 years ago, which at this point would have also been at some point in the 90s. Yeah, it would have been maybe mid to late 90s. And so that timeline is kind of important that they're coming out and saying these things because then we're going to get into the Rose McGowan and uh, Dita Von Teese of it all. But let's first dive into Corey Feldman. So everyone knows about the accusations that these other women have come out with, but this episode is really to kind of dive into some of the other pieces that are out on the internet that are floating that nobody's really talking about just yet. So we, we've... Heard from Jenna, we've heard from Trent, and now we're starting to hear from actor-musician Corey Feldman, who, he was a child actor, he's recently come out, he's been in a lot of controversy himself, primarily with, um, there was the tale of two Corys, where his other, his friend Corey, who was also a child actor, he claimed allegedly was raped by Charlie Sheen, um, and so that was kind of a big controversy when his documentary came out last year, so he claims that uh, Marilyn Manson tried to blackmail him, as well as use his angel. So Corey Feldman, when he was on tour, had these angels that were, I guess, like, I don't even know how to really describe them. I mean, they were, they worked for him, but they were also like, kind of like his, he was in like a relationship with them. I don't know, but he claims that they were sent by Marilyn Manson to spy on him. And so it got a little cuckoo magoo, but so... He recently posted on Instagram a photo of the two of them. And in 1998, he claims that uh, Manson wanted to make him his play toy. And he claims that Manson uh, uh, forced him to kiss him. He hugged him and has messed with his life ever since. He also claims that he had an obsession with him. I'll read you his Instagram post. This is what Corey Feldman posted with the photo with Marilyn Manson. He said, the night Marilyn Manson tried to use and abuse me as his play toy by trying to manipulate manipulate me into breaking my five-year of sobriety to snort cocaine with him while gaslighting me for his press tour on mechanical animals was where the decades-long mental and emotional abuse began. Luckily, I was not physically harmed that night as we got out safely, but that was just the beginning of my nightmare. I stand with Evan and any of any and all survivors of his demented abuse. Manson has been obsessed with me for year for over two decades. Don't believe me, just look at published facts. He wrote He first wrote several passages about me in his book, Long Road Out of Hell, which is the one I mentioned earlier, uh, as he had met me a few months prior to that at a premiere for Howard Stern's private party in New York where the grooming process began. He grabbed my face in front of the cla- in front of the crowd and kissed me with his black lipstick that I couldn't rub off all night. He proceeded to gush over me telling me what a huge fan of mine he was. He then introduced me to his BFF Billy Corgan. All of this documented in his book. He brags about it as if I was a special needs person he was making fun of. However, this encounter not only talked about in his book, but also discussed in Jenna Cantlos's biography. She notes his obsession with me there, but several months passed before he released the book, making me aware of his two-sided nature. Before the book came out, heavily Manson heavily pursued a friendship with me, telling me I was his idol, telling me he actually got his whole style by watching my film Dream a Little Dream, and my character Bobby Keller was the inspiration for his entire look. I don't know if that was 
was the truth, but he used it as a way to manipulate me. Months later, he called me on Christmas morning to wish me a Merry Christmas and invite me to a dinner party around the release of his book at a fancy Indian Hollywood hang Dar Macrabee. Not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but it looks like it's Macrabee. Um, Where customers sit around on pillows as in traditional Indian style. When I walked in, When I walked into the room, it was quite clear that I was the guest of honor as the whole room stopped to take pictures of the moment as he hugged me, then grabbed my hand and led me to the table by his side. The pick is from this pick is from that moment. We later went to his we later went back to his home where the nightmare began. He messed he's messed with my life ever since. Like in this, and Corey Feldman's recollection is also similar to the women that have come out. Um, it's very detailed. Like they have specific days, specific times. They have things like book passages or photos that back some of this stuff up. Um, I did look into that Leslie woman that was um, that Evan Rachel Wood claimed was conspiring with his current wife Lindsay to. Um, blackmail her I saw some of the screenshots that she posted it wasn't necessarily convincing that Lindsay was in on some of the conspiracy other than mentioned from um mentioned from that Leslie woman so I don't know I mean obviously Lindsay she hasn't come in she hasn't come out his it's his current wife they've been together on and off for many years and they just got married during uh, in 2020 during the pandemic and they had a quiet, a quiet private ceremony that he'd opened up about uh, very recently. But it's crazy how a lot of them claim that there was blackmail, that there was gaslighting, that he tried to come after them. It's almost a little Harvey Weinstein-ish. It's, I don't think he had the same power influence that Harvey Weinstein had, but... The accusations are very detailed. They're a little different, again, with the types of abuse, but they are very specific in terms of what happened, when it happened, specific things that, um, you know, there are similarities, like his obsession with Nazis and Hitler um, and the kind of like terrorizing that he would do, he would inflict upon these people afterwards and the lifestyle. They all seem to mention that he had a really intense lifestyle that was hard for a lot of people. It involved drugs it involved late night partying. Um, it doesn't seem to have involved from any of the accounts that he was very promiscuous. That's one thing that I don't think has ever been explicitly said or mentioned or implied necessarily. And this is where we get into some of the other women. So we can start with Rose McGowan, who was engaged to Manson for two years. They dated from 1999 to 2001. So now she claims she did an interview with Howard Stern where she claims that they broke up because of drugs and the lifestyle. She always kind of notes the lifestyle. You broke up with him because he was cheating on you constantly. Isn't that true? No, not at all. You were fed up with the cheating. There was none. There was no cheating. No, not at all. Why? Well, he's actually the antithesis of what people would imagine a rock star to be. Why did you break up? You were engaged. You were in love. It starts with a D and it ends with an S. I don't know. D and ends with an hey, S. I just didn't like the lifestyle. Drugs. 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 I don't object to it. It's, you know, anybody can do whatever they want. It's more of a choice of, you know, I had to sit down and think if I'm married to this, this is something that is going to be ever increasing in my life. Which is interesting because she actually spoke pretty highly of him in her book Brave, which I found 
interesting because Rose McGowan is not the type to hold any punches. She was very open about Harvey Weinstein, who she doesn't even mention by name in her book. She only mentions him by um, the monster. And I remember reading the section about Marilyn Manson, and I didn't really remember too much about their relationship at the time other than their red carpet moment where she wore the dress that was see-through essentially um and that's the only thing i remember of their relationship i think at the time i just was not caught up in that world of pop culture and i was a lot younger at the time too but going back after reading about it in her book i was like well who is this marilyn manson person and i started to do a little digging into the relationship then and this is when her book came out i believe back in 2018 And like I said, I was surprised that she spoke highly of him in the sense that she said that he was the antithesis of what you would expect a rock star to be. And that's actually a a direct quote that she gave when she went on the Howard Stern show when she was promoting Charmed back in the day. Um, She went on uh, Howard Stern and actually claims that there was actually no cheating between the two of them, that it was just the drugs that were too much and his lifestyle was too much for her that she couldn't keep up with it. And so I find it interesting that she has no recollection of any sort of um, abuse. They were in a long, they were in a three-year relationship. They were engaged for two years. She, even all these years, even after being open about her own experiences with abuse, didn't really have anything terrible to say about him other than he was addicted to drugs and had an intense lifestyle. Now, she ended their engagement in 2001. It was announced in January of 2001, which is interesting because that's also right around, I believe, his 32nd birthday, which is where he meets burlesque dancer Dita Von Teese. And this is where they begin dating. They met, I believe his birthday is January 5th, and the announcement came out in mid-January that Rose had called off her engagement with him, which, again, she goes into more in-depth with her, in her interview with Howard. Stern. And so it seems like he jumped very quickly from the end of his relationship with Rose into his relationship with burlesque dancer Dita Von Teese. They were together for seven, she claimed seven years. But when I did the math, I was like, okay, well, if they met in 2001, so they all, they dated all throughout 2001, 2002, 2003, 2004, 2005, 2006, 2007. I guess since it was the beginning of, it was January of 2001 that they technically started seeing each other now that he was free with Rose and they ended in 2007. So I guess, sure, it, it, Maybe a little less than, maybe not seven years on the dot, give or take a few months. But so they dated all throughout the early 2000s into the mid 2000s, where they ended up getting engaged in 2004, married in 2005, and then later divorced in 2007. So Rose has come out and said that she um, supports Evan Rachel Wood and she supports anybody coming out and speaking out and we need to tear down the system and we need to basically hold these men accountable. Didn't say anything about having her own experience with him. Dita Von Teese, who was married to him, from 2005 to 2007, she spoke out in support of the victims, but she claims that in their seven-year relationship, everything was fully consensual and that she broke up with him because of his partying, the lifestyle, also because of drugs, and she accused him of having a relationship with another girl, which is interesting. So she didn't say he had a pattern of cheating on her. She didn't say that he had a history of being flirtatious or promiscuous. She just said there was one relationship with another girl, and that was kind of the breaking point for her. And even when Rose did her interview with Howard Stern, she was very clear that there was no infidelity, there was no cheating. But it's also interesting to see that they're 
their breakup came, their breakup announcement came in mid-January, but he also has already technically seen Dita as of early January. So it seems like he jumped from one relationship, one long-term relationship to the next very quickly. In 2016, Dita also did an interview with Khloe Kardashian back when she had her very short-lived reality show Cocktails with Khloe, which was kind of fun, but I think it, what was it on? It was on some, like, network that, like, nobody had ever heard of. No, it wasn't on Sci-Fi. Discover? No, true. I don't know. It was on some network that nobody had ever heard of, that nobody was watching the Kardashians on. I think had she had a talk show on like E, it probably would have done a little better. But anyway, I digress. So Khloe Kardashian has Dita Von Teese on her on her talk show, Cocktails with Chloe, spelled with a K. Um, and during that interview, Dita said that she was pretty good friends. This was probably about four years after her split from him because they, what, let's see, they split in, well, actually, they split in 2000, They yeah, they split in 2007. So this is probably, oof, 2007, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. Wow, so this is eight years after her relationship ended with Marilyn Manson. She went on to Cocktails with Chloe, and she said um, that they're friends now, post-split, she said, I can speak fondly of him now. If you would have asked me four years ago, I would have been like, shut it down. I can't talk about it, but we're friends now. So it seemed like by 2016, she'd made amends you with him. You were married to Marilyn Manson. Was he okay with you being a burlesque dancer? Oh yeah, I mean, he was super encouraging and um, you know, we, we did a lot of like, you know, there was a lot of crossover in our careers and you know, it was good to be he will have that creative. He he, he awesome. encouraged all my eccentricities. Yeah. He did a whole album that was, you know, kind of That's burlesque awesome. themed, and we made like, you know, music videos together. And uh, I can speak fondly about him now because it's like, we. I mean, if you would have asked me like four years ago, I'd have been like, shut it down. I can't talk about <laughs> it. But we're friends now, and it's right. fine, you know. Again, she came out said that in her seven year relationship, she everything was fully consensual, and she didn't have the same experience. But she did speak up for these women that have come out with their own experiences now she said when she was on cocktails with chloe which was in 2016 because that show only lasted throughout 2016 um she said if you would have asked me four years ago i wouldn't have wanted to talk about it however she did give an interview in 2010 with genlux i don't know if i'm pronouncing that correctly g-e-n-l-u-x it looks like genlux genlux i don't know but in that interview she said which was in 2010 so this was six years prior to her interview with chloe that he took me to his she detailed an account where she um visited his family castle so she said he took me to his family castle and i was completely wooed and couldn't speak for days he thought there was something wrong with me because i was in such shock that someone could treat me so well i was used to people hurting me at the i was used to people hurling things at me in the middle of the night in a cocaine rage so to be in this castle and to have this man cooking for me i was stunned into silence so it's so interesting that both uh, dita and rose have been very vocal about him being again the antithesis of what you would expect a rock star to be so he had a heavy lifestyle he was into drugs he loved to party he loved to stay up late at night but at the same time they were both very clear that the persona that he projected on stage was very different from the person he was behind the scenes and he was off stage now those are the two uh he was engaged to rose he was married to dita then we get into greta 
Aurora. So Greta Aurora posted a video on YouTube, and she's someone that nobody's really talking about. And she details a weekend that they had together when she was about 18 or 19 years old. And she claims that the weekend that they had together was fully consensual. She did own up to, because like Jenna Jameson had said that uh, she had been bitten, and one of the other, one or two of the other women that came out with their allegations after Evan Rachel Wood also claimed that biting was a big thing. Now, she says that biting is really notable because that's the only Thing she has in common with these other women, but she claims that after he bit her, she didn't like it, but she didn't necessarily say she didn't like it. She ended up just biting him back, which he didn't like. And she said that was kind of her way of signaling to him that she didn't like biting, you don't like biting, so we're just not going to bite each other. Now, I don't fully agree with all of the things that Greta said in her YouTube video. I think she made a really interesting and good point about empowering victims and educating women, especially younger and younger, about educating them to not feel helpless in these situations and to feel comfortable saying no. That's not to say that any person that has been um, raped or a victim of sexual assault, that there's fault on them. That's not what I'm saying at all. But the part that I do resonate with what she was saying about empowering people more, and I think this is something we are starting to do and need to do a lot more, is we should empower people. Because look, I'll be honest, I've had my own experiences with, I guess, what people would consider sexual assault where I have had men put their hands on me um, or try to touch me in ways that were unwarranted or sexual experiences where men have forced themselves onto me or um, pressured me to do things that I didn't want to do that I did kind of want to resist and clearly had hesitation towards that they continued to kind of force themselves into um, that made me very uncomfortable. And that happened on more than one occasion, more so when I was younger. Um, I'm talking like teenager, early 20s, younger. And I, again, I'm not saying that there's any blame on victims at all. That's not what I'm trying to say. But I just, if I could go back and say anything to myself, I wish somebody would have told me, you're important. You have value. You can say no. You don't have to be in this in this situation. You can walk away from this. You can choose to not participate in it. And that's not saying that anybody that stays in it and doesn't say no or doesn't act on it. You, consent is absolutely something that needs to be um, shared by both parties during sex or multiple parties during what you're into. But what I'm saying is like, I felt like I had to take it. I felt like I had to just go through with it and oblige with it because, you know, this man was interested in me and he liked me. I mean, my first sexual experience, I was 16 years old with a man that knew I was 16 years old and was very much older than me. Um, where I just, I don't think I had that awareness of like that my, that I and my body had value and didn't need to be in those situations and that I could have walked away from it if I didn't want to or I could have spoken up had I just known that I had some sort of power or I could have said no or if I said no and he kept pushing it, I could have been like, I said no and I'm walking away from this. And I understand that there is, you know, a level of confidence and self-respect that like takes time and takes scars to kind of build. But I just think those messages need to be con- consistently put out there. And that's one thing that I did agree with with Greta or resonate with Greta. And again, I don't agree with her full message at all. I felt like there was a little bit more blame on the victims than I think either she intended or needed to or should have been at all. But I just... I wish, and I know I'm digressing from the Marilyn Manson scandal, which is what you're all hearing about, but if you have daughters or even young sons, if you have 
anybody that is younger, that is in that age of influence. And I think we're doing a good job of it now, but it's just so important that we really remind them of having self-respect and of their value and letting them know that it's okay to be uncomfortable during sex and to to walk away from that, to, to be like, I feel uncomfortable and I don't need to participate in this anymore if I choose not to. That's not to say that it's always going to prevent sexual assault or rape. I'm not saying that either, but I'm just saying it's really important that we continue to empower them to feel strong enough and and to have conviction in the choices that they make for their bodies and um you know and just know that like just because you agree to engage in a sexual encounter that doesn't necessarily mean that you fully consent to everything that your partner wants to do and you can walk away from that you can say no and just know that you are important and valuable and I know I just put myself in so many of those situations that I wish I could have taken myself out on or that I wish I could have just hugged that younger version of myself so You can watch Greta's video on YouTube where she details the weekend that she had with him. And she says that it was very, um, he was very sweet to her. He was very generous, very kind to her. Um, So this is where it gets a little interesting because then you have, you know, these women who have come out with allegations recently that don't necessarily match the allegations that we or the um, the accounts that we have with Rose, with Dita and even with Greta. And so what I think happened or what I originally my original theory was really kind of looking and focusing on the timeline of it and and seeing that like, okay, well, his relationship with Rose was in the late 90s, early 2000s, which is then when he met Dita. And then their relationship ended in the late uh, 2000s. And then going into 2010 and moving forward is when he had his relationship with Evan Rachel Wood. And maybe there was something about like something changed in him. Maybe he was able to get away with things that were more controversial. Maybe they he was able to kind of, um, he saw a little more freedom or there was a deeper infatuation that he started to have. Something changed in the 2000s. I mean, I don't even know if that's fair to say because then you have the Corey Feldman stuff and the, um, and the Trent stuff that happened also in the 90s. So it's so interesting that there are such different experiences that people have had with him. And so my question is like, why are there different experiences? Like it was because they people have talked about there being this like dual personality with him. And so I'm just curious to be like, well, what made him choose certain women over other women and how was he able to kind of stay faithful to Rose and Dita for so many years and so part of my theory comes down to like well you know maybe it's like you know I don't know if this is a good example or an appropriate example but the best way I I just ended up I watched Firefly Lane on Netflix and it kind of reminded me of this of one of the characters who was gay and who ended up marrying a woman and having kids and trying to fake this happy lifestyle. And so maybe when he was committing to Rose and, um, and Dita, maybe there, it was like a gay man marrying a woman and having children and trying to like, you know, uh, I don't know if this is even a good example because I'm comparing it to like homosexuality and that's not really my intention, but I'm just saying that like where you're trying to live this false lifestyle and you're trying to project this lifestyle of like I can be in a relationship, I can do something that's outside of myself and try to be quote unquote good because of, you know, rejection or 
whatever the case may have been, but maybe he was unbeknownst to Rose and Dita. Maybe he was kind of sleeping around. Maybe part of that lifestyle, part of the drugs is where he kind of was um, really starting to test and push some of those boundaries. But I mean, we even have, you know, Jenna Jameson, who heard um, instance with him was around the same time he started dating Rose McGowan. So it's interesting how there was that big chunk of time from what, 99 to 2007, where he definitely didn't seem to have been unfaithful or been too caught up in his lifestyle. Maybe the drug use really got to him. Maybe the, the, desire to be controversial and to that sensationalism really pushed him to be um, more, more controversial and really push the boundary a lot more to meet his onstage persona. It's like there really are two different versions and accounts of him. And it's also interesting that both uh, Dee Devontes and Rose McGowan have very much spoken out, not in defense of him, but in support of the uh the survivors of the assault that um they're claiming against Manson it's interesting that they they're not denying that that's part that they're not denying that this could have happened they're just denying that they had that experience with him and so you know you have the woman like Greta who detailed a very good weekend with him but then you look at some of the other accounts with the women that you know are claiming that they were abused by him and they also said that he had those moments of being super nice and over the top and you know making them feel special and making them feel important and kind of you know manipulating them before some of these more insidious tactics of bullying and manipulation and calling them and cutting himself or threatening them before any of that started. So the all of the different accounts and instances are very different to an extent, I guess. They are pretty drastically different. So that's where it really comes into like, well, why were some women, you know, why did he choose those women to abuse over the other ones? You know, was it, did he feel like, you know, he had more power over them? Did he, were there moments where he was trying to like keep some of his urges in check? Like how did he differentiate, you know, who he thought he would be able to get away with abusing? Again, it's all insidious and gross and wrong as I will continue to to put down. I don't, I'm not condemning him. I'm not defending him. In any instance, I absolutely believe that we should support and believe survivors um, and investigate it further. But it's just interesting how he was so different in some relationships versus others. Now, there were other filings of assault against him. There was a 2001 incident where um, he allegedly assaulted uh, a security guard at Ozfest, which I believe is the Ozzy Ozzy. Sorry, not Ozzy Ozzy. Ozzy Osbourne um festival back in I may be wrong I assume it's Ozfest has something to do with with Ozzy Osbourne um but don't quote me on that uh but there was an Ozfest in 2001 where he uh allegedly sexually assaulted one of the security guards and the assault charges were later they later ended up getting dropped and he pled no contest and they it was a battery charge and um, he pled no contest to a battery charge and settled in 2004. So that case went on for a few years. Again, that also looks like around the time where he, it, yeah, it had to have been because Rose ended her relationship with him in early January. So it looks like that happened while he was dating Dita. 
And so this assault charge was, it was dropped and there was a settlement that was given to the victim and that was settled in 2004. Then we also have a separate account in 2018. This one's more recently and this was in May of 2018, and there was a police for, report that was filed against him um, for there were unspecified sex crimes that uh, allegedly took place in 2011. The case was later dropped in August, um, and it was dropped because there was apparently a lack of corroborating evidence. But it is interesting that you do see in 2001 and in 2011 that there were assault charges or will... The file wasn't taken until 2018, but the assault allegedly happened in 2011. But you do see that there is a pattern and there is a history. And he does also have a pattern and history of saying, like, yes, I am very controversial. I open my life up to controversy. But, you know, people's experiences with me are very are misrepresentations. Like, that's something he said during one of his previous assaults when it got settled, that it was a misrepresentation of what actually happened. And so for me, I'm just kind of like, where there's smoke, there's fire. And if there are people making such big claims about him like this and such serious claims about him, then something had to have happened to the extent what actually happened, I don't know. None of us know but him and the actual victims. Um, again, he's vehemently denying it. He's been dropped by CAA, who I believe also represents uh, Evan Rachel Wood, his ex and former fiance. Uh, he's been dropped by his manager, who didn't drop him through any of the prior controversies. So there has to be something here. He could try be trying to save his butt, or they just feel like the climate that our country's in, you just you can't stand by a guy like that. Whereas before, it was a little more tolerable for people, for him to stand by. I mean, there are many controversies. When you actually look into his history, there's a lot of crap that he's done, that he said that... Um, I believe like, there was a concert where he ripped like a Mormon Bible in half. He's been like banned from performing in multiple states here in the U.S. I think there was even um, there was one state that even paid him. I want to say it was 40 grand to just not perform. So did he do it? Is he guilty? His history is damning. His book is damning. You have assault charges that have been filed that are decades apart. So it does show a history of, of, of some sort of encounters that have been uncomfortable for people. Um, one thing that is similar in a lot of the stories, all of them, is the biting um, and the lifestyle. A lot of people refer to the lifestyle. A lot of people refer to drugs. So, I mean... It, could some of these things he have done under the influence? I I don't know. That doesn't make it better or right or anything. But I just, I think it continued to escalate by the time we got to Evan Rachel Wood because culturally we encouraged this. And like I said, there were a lot of protesters and groups that were very anti-Manson. But at the same time, there were a lot of loyal fans that listened to his music that bought his book. I mean, his book, even right now, if you go on Amazon, it's still a bestseller. Like, I mean, probably because of all the controversy now, but like, it's just, we continue to enable this sort of behavior by letting it go unchecked and by continuing to put him on a pedestal. I think even recently there were two different TV shows that are like, oh, we're, we're cutting him out of these shows now because of all of the allegations that have come to light. But the fact that he still is selling out records, selling out concerts, and making appearances in these rock god television shows 
that shows our complicity or that shows how complicit we were as a culture. I mean, it's like, imagine if Ted Bundy wanted to be a rock star and then we bought all of his records. Like, obviously he was, he was a little demented and needed help. And it's like, we just, he would say these things and do these things. I mean, even the fact that it was not alarming to people that he claims to have smashed a perfume bottle into his mother's face and left permanent scars on her face. That alone should tell you that this was somebody that was clearly hurting, clearly had some emotional damage that needed to be worked out, clearly had some mental health issues that needed to be treated. And so it's like, wait, you know, I definitely, I think, I think he's guilty of how much I don't know. And the again, the accounts of the differences from his long-term relationships versus the shorter-term relationships, maybe he felt like because he wasn't committed to some of these women that he was able to treat them differently. That doesn't, again, make it better, and I'm not, I'm not saying that it, it makes it okay, but I'm just trying to understand where his head was and where his mindset was in choosing these different women. He definitely harmed these women. The PTSD, the fear that they live in that you can just see, he clearly did something to them. Again, to the extent whether he believed that he was joking, whether he was under the influence, none of that makes it right. But I just, I think there is some form of detachment from reality that he also has that makes him believe that he can deny these things and get away from them. I mean, Harvey Weinstein also denied a lot of stuff and hired spies and um, allegedly and, you know, terrorized people as well because he felt like he had the power and was able to. So that's not to say that this wasn't the case with Manson. Um, It's just really interesting to see how disconnected a lot of these pieces are. And I'm curious that as this case continues to unfold, how we'll be be able to connect those dots. And I feel like reading up on this, doing our research, looking into these stories and doing podcasts about stuff like this, this is where I think this is where we start to put these pieces together. All I can do is be a conduit to the information and be like, okay, here are all the different pieces. They haven't quite connected yet, but there's some sort of connection and lines that we have to start drawing to really put this story together. It's still slowly unfolding. Um, And we're just, we're going to have to see, I think, you know, again, where there's smoke, where there's fire, when there's multiple, uh, multiple allegations, police reports, public fallout, celebrities that have spoken out against him. He's no saint in all of this. And I, I don't think he ever wanted to be a saint, but it's just, it's very interesting to see where the cards are now starting to fall. I think we're just starting to see the tip of the iceberg. And now we're really going to start to get into the history of some of these relationships and more people I'm sure will begin to, to speak out with their experiences. And again, I think there will probably be, this is a very controversial person. So I think there will probably be many accounts that will be taken out of context or exacerbated, but Regardless, there is a very clear pattern and history of abuse, be it mental, emotional, physical, and even um, sexual. There are multiple accounts at this point that, again, where there's smoke, there's fire, and there's a lot more to be looked into here. I'll probably continue to do another deep dive. Um, I don't recommend reading his book. And I honestly, I believe... If you want to read the stories from these victims, they are detailed and some of them are graphic and it it hurts to read. You get through the first one, you're like, okay, 
that was rough. And then you get through the second one, you're like, oof. And then you get to the third one, you're just like, oh, it's so much that even the last one that I was reading, I was like, I don't even know if I can finish reading this because you can just feel the pain in their words. Now, again, they haven't made videos. These are just the words that have been written and posted to their Instagram accounts. Um, it's interesting that that Greta woman also claims that she... Um, not to say that there's a conspiracy against him, but this was just a weird fact that kind of um, came to mind um, when I thought of them posting on Instagram. She said that there was someone, um, there was a woman that had reached out to her that had wanted to rally together a bunch of different women. And these women that came out could have been included in that group, but they were trying to rally women to speak out against him. That's not uncommon. I think Greta tried to make it seem like there was some sort of maybe a, a bigger conspiracy against him. Um I don't necessarily believe that that's the case. I think when there's one allegation, if there's anything I've learned from um, Detective Benson on Law and Order SVU, it's that where there's one, there's usually a pattern and more will come. And I think more people will continue to come to light and share their experiences. And again, we'll be able to tie all of these loose ends together. Oy vey, I was not expecting this podcast episode to be a full hour, but yet here we are. Um, there's also, I'm going to be doing a deep dive into Army Hammer. If you have, I know there's like an interview on Juicy Scoop that I'm going to listen to with, I believe, his aunt. I'm going to dig into that over the weekend and start to really dissect that whole, um, dissect that whole crazy uh scandal that's going on and the Brandy Glanville of it all will be worked into all of it. But um, yes, thank you for tuning in to Hashtag New Filter with Zach Peter. If you have more pieces of this Marilyn Manson case that you've read or seen or there are videos that are out there, send it to me so that when I do a part two of this scandal and I kind of catch everybody up to speed of where it progresses, I probably won't do it for a while because I want to kind of let this unfold and let there be more pieces that come together. I hope that by me coming out and starting to put a lot of these pieces out there, in one collection we'll continue to to dig and dive deep but if there's anything on Marilyn Manson anything on on um army hammer send it to me so that i can start to put it all together continue to send me whatever you find some of you have already started to send it thank you i appreciate that for helping me do my 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 podcasting journalism thank you guys for listening to hashtag no filter with Zach Peter. Stay tuned. Army Hammer Scandal Deep Dive will come out next week, probably next Wednesday. I'll do another news update on the reality TV world this upcoming Monday, and then we'll start to slowly introduce guests back into the show. I just thought these scandals were so big that I really wanted to dive into them right now since they're so topical. Thank you guys for listening to Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. That's me, Zach Peter. You can give me a follow at Just Plain Zach. Be sure to follow us at No Filter with Zach and join our private Facebook group. The link is in the description below. It's our Reality Tea Facebook group. It's private, so you don't have to worry about what you post. But we have lots of theories, lots of juice, lots of gossip, and lots of, of um, opinions about the shows and about the scandals and about the news and the tea. So if you want to further the conversation, you can join us there. You can watch full episodes and mostly clips from our news episodes, but full interviews and, and, and clips from the interviews on my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Zach. You can listen and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher, all the places. So be sure to do that. Leave me a five-star review. I'll start to do shout outs again on this upcoming Monday's episode. So be sure to leave me a review. Love you guys. I will talk to you next week with more more juice tea and scandal. Bye.